Good morning. My name is uh, Dale Eichelberger, and my wife Diane and I have been attending here for a little over a year now. And I'd just like to say that we uh, feel both blessed and privileged to be able to come here and worship and hear the Word of God preached and taught. Today, our scripture is from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, and that it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning. In case some of you haven't noticed it, I am not Pastor Lawrence. Pastor Lawrence is not able to be here today due to an occurrence that has required him to be at our Shippensburg campus this morning for two services. He will be back next week and continue the Much Fruit series. He apologizes because he was so excited and he said he was going to be here and he was looking forward to preaching this message from John chapter 15. And, and uh, I'm still debating whether I did the right thing or not. But last Sunday, I told Lawrence, I said, you know, that's really amazing. What a coincidence. Just two weeks ago, I was asked to speak on that very chapter in a little church in northern Pennsylvania, and we compared notes, and, and uh, he, he just, that was kind of cool. He was going to preach, and I was anxious to be here and see if the points in his sermon matched up with the points in mine. So that was Sunday. Then Monday morning, Gene and I left on a vacation, and we were gone for a wonderful time in the mountains, and Thursday afternoon, we were driving home, coming up the interstate, and the phone rang in the car, and there was Lawrence on the dash speaking to us through that thing that talks to you from your, from your dashboard now in new cars. Dennis, how about preaching for me Sunday? I said, you mean like this Sunday? Like Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, Sunday? He said, yeah. And without giving you any more detail, I agreed. And I, I, I got to tell you, I'm just so excited. I'm excited about this series Dan preached last week, and his message was a disciplined interaction with God's Word. And he challenged you all to do something, right? Somebody tell me what your challenge was. Let me hear it. Read Scripture. How much? 15 minutes a day. How many did that? Hey, Dan, you got a gang of them. I'm not sure what this means. Does this mean you read eight minutes a day, <laughs> or, or you missed a day or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to be challenged, and I'm going to lay a challenge on you again before we're through today. 
You know, uh, I'm Danny Koontz, and my wife and I showed up here one time in 1988. We lived here, then we moved away for a while. When we decided to come back, I said, let's just start visiting churches once we move back to the Chambersburg area. And, and so we thought, well, okay, there's that one across the street from the post office. Uh, not sure what they're all about. Let's just visit. So we stopped in. That was our first church that we visited in that series of visits. Then uh, through the week, we said, which one are we going to try next? I kind of like that one. Let's go back and check that one again. Folks, we haven't gone to the next one yet. <laughs> and if my math's right, that's like 35 years. Wow. Wow. I am grateful for this opportunity to talk to you. Really, I am. I genuinely am excited about a piece of scripture that is just so real to me and so important. And a lot of it's so misunderstood today that I love the chance to speak. I want to thank you for being here. And I want to thank you online folks to be there and listen, sitting there in your jammies, sipping your coffee or whatever you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean you all need to do that next week. But thank you for being here. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. This teaching from John... Chapter 15 addresses two lies, lies that Satan's been telling humanity from the very beginning of his whole temptation career. The first lie is that you were created to be independent. Great word we like to use today, to be independent, that your life belongs to you and that you have the right to live your life as you please. The second lie is the lie of self-sufficiency which says that you have everything you need within yourself to be what you are supposed to be and to do what you are supposed to do. Second lie. However, Jesus says right here in chapter 15 in John, apart from me, you can do nothing. Therefore, he issues the call to abide in him. We're going to look at that word a lot today. Abide in him, a persistent practice of abiding produces much fruit. This is number five in a series of, of much fruit, and I hope you hear them all. If you haven't heard the first ones, sit down at home and bring them up on the magic uh, uh, computer that you got, and however you do that, my wife teaches me how to do that, and she brings things up, and occasionally I can bring them up myself, but listen to the messages. Fruit talks about if we abide, we produce fruit. What kind of fruit? What is fruit? You know, we have in Galatians uh, chapter 5, we have uh, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm curious, how many of you could just recite them, every one of them, and not miss one? I know some of you could, oh, your little hands going up like this. Yeah, I'm afraid he'll call on to me to do it if I say it. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's part of it. Those fruits are produced as we as we. Abide in Christ and we live with him. There's also other fruit. There's more disciples. That's fruit. More people coming to Christ. More people who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, better disciples. We've had a motto around the denomination for a while. More and better disciples. Better disciples. Those of us who have already come to Christ can get better. Hopefully we can. Hopefully we grow. Hopefully we change for the better. There's Christian relationships. Oh, wow. That's great fruit, isn't it? You probably all have somebody that you could bring to mind that says, man, I think I could tell that person anything. And they'd understand. And they wouldn't hate me. And they wouldn't look down on me. There's healed hurts, healed bodies. 
peace in times of trouble. There's so much fruit that can be produced. When I look at a verse or a chapter of Scripture, I, I like to figure out the context, you know? What, what was happening? What's the setting? And in this particular setting, if you look back two chapters, chapters 13 and 14 in the Gospel of John, you'll see that Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room. They had met. And you know that it's time, the time is getting short, that Judas is going to betray him and he's going to be taken to the, to the, to the garden. He's going to be crucified. So what was happening? What was Jesus doing there? He was talking to them. He washed their feet. Remember that? Taught us to do it. That's what we call an ordinance. He did that. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And in our, in our church, our denomination, we call that an ordinance when God did it and then said, do it. So that's why we, we practice feet washing. It's one of the things. And, and communion and all that things. He exposed Judas as the betrayer in that setting. This is the time when Peter spoke up. Remember rambunctious Peter? <clears throat> the guy who was just ramming jamming into everything that came up. And he said, whoa, no, Lord. I will not deny you. Father, Lord, I will die for you. And that's when Jesus brought up the, and used the example of, you know, the old antique alarm clock. Nobody got that? The rooster. Oh, wow. That went over like, whew. And he said, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. He gave us uh, a, a verse there that is just so highly important. I want to read that one. That one's in chapter 13, uh, 21, it's, it's 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Some say that's the greatest commandment of all. It's really two commandments, but uh, he promised to send another helper. And in my scriptures and probably yours too, that helper is a capital H, which is what we do when we talk about a member of the Trinity of God. He's saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Twice in this, in his chapter, in chapter 14, I think it is, he says, in two, two verses, he says, he says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Twice, two times in a row. It's hard for us to figure that out sometimes, isn't it? We think in the physical realm, can, can we be in someone and they be in us? And then uh, the final verse in chapter 14, he says, in my version of the scripture, he says, rise, let us go from here. Okay, so they get up and they left. They walked out. And as I understand, they walked out into the night. It was nighttime. And almost all the time when Jesus was walking with the disciples and they were moving along, he was teaching. We have his teachings in the... In the in the Gospels, and we're so blessed to have them. And he, he, he liked to use the examples of, from agriculture, you know? So many of the things that we have are farming examples or gardening examples. And here, I don't, I don't know if they walked by a vineyard, and, and if it's nighttime, I don't know if they could even see a vineyard, or they walked by a, a nice building that had all sort of gold designs on the columns that looked like grapevines, and fruit and that sort of thing. But anyhow, he used, he used this example as he, as he went. And, and as we look at, and, and if you are the Bible scholar and you like to look at things closely in your scripture, I, I encourage you to follow along in your scriptures. But right in the beginning of this chapter, he talks about the vine, the vine dresser, pruning and bearing fruit. He says, I am the vine and who's the branches? You're all really quiet for such a big group. We are. 
His disciples are the branches, the people he's talking to. I am the vine, and you are the branches. You are my believers. You are my disciples. You're the people who follow me. Then he mentions the vine dresser. And, and the vine dresser is the Father. It's God. I heard a story once, heard a man speaking. He had been traveling and he was visiting, I don't even know what continent he was on, but he was visiting wine country. Of course, Church of God people wouldn't do that. We wouldn't visit wine country. Um, boy, that one went right over too. Wow. But he saw this vineyard on the hillside, and there were rows of grapevines, and there was a man walking between the rows, and he was occasionally bending over and doing something. This was in the spring of the year. And, and a couple times, he even knelt on one knee and got down and was doing something there. So this guy investigated further, and what he found was that in the spring, there are some new shoots, some new branches that grow, and some of them are pretty low to the ground, and they're dirty. They grow and they get soil on them, and that soil would hinder their growth. This vine dresser, this, this caring keeper of the branches was going along, and he was taking some of these little shoots. Maybe they were just twigs. Maybe they were starting to bud. Maybe it was a new leaf, and, and he even had with him a little bit of water to wash them off so that they could grow without hindrance. That's my God. That's your God. That's our God. That's what he does. To prune. Prune, you know, it can be wonderful, it can be terrible. To prune a tree, you're whacking pieces of it off. And a vine, you're knocking pieces of it off. And, and, and sometimes we need pruned. We as individuals need pruned because there's something that's hindering our growth. And he, he says it pretty clearly on here, if you aren't producing fruit, you know, it's not going to be a good day tomorrow if you're not producing fruit about being cut off and dry up and thrown into the fire, talks about a cleansing. I have a good close friend who had a business and he lost two key employees one time. And I mean, he was distraught. He just, whoa, it's me. What's going to happen? And I, I don't know where this came from. It had to be from the Lord. I said, I think I said, dude, <laughs> I said, dude, you live, you live for God. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. God's in charge. For some reason, he's allowed this to happen. Maybe this is a cleansing. And I saw that guy not long ago, and he said, man, you called that one right. The whole situation is way better now with some different people. It talks about bearing fruit. This is the outcome that we want, that God wants from us, that we bear fruit, like I mentioned. And it says bear fruit, bear more fruit. And if you continue to read, it says bear much fruit. Jesus makes a statement in here where he says, you're already clean because he has spoke to them. So he's telling them to do something. He's saying, you know, he's, he's saying, you're on my team. You're my disciple. So he tells them to abide. Now, last week when Dan spoke, I don't know if you all remember, he was, he was, he was walking on the edge, I believe, a little bit. He, he kind of made a joke. He said, you know, I never thought I would do this, but I'm going to do something. I have a three-point sermon, and all three points start with the same letter. And he even said then, he was brave enough to say, or dumb enough to say, I don't, where are you, Dan? He said, I heard, first time I heard Lawrence do that, I thought that was pretty lame. Woo, dude. And Lawrence was sitting right there. Guess what? <laughs> Before I ever thought I would preach this, there's three words that I've highlighted in chapter John, and there are three words, and they all start with the same letter. 
Those words are abide, apart, and ask. So I'm going to build my comments as we go through this this morning around those three words, abide. As a branch cannot by itself produce, neither can I or you. So we have to abide. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Not abiding, we're going to be thrown away. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask, third A word, ask, and it will be done for you. That's a big, that's a big promise. We're going to get into that one a little bit later. Verse 8, I like it because there's, a, there's an entire sermon in verse 8 by itself. And again, it's three points, not with the same letter. But if you look at verse 8, it says, God is glorified. We bear much fruit. And number three, prove to be his disciples. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love like I abide in my Father's love so that my joy may be in you. Pause on that one for a moment. This is Jesus saying so that my joy may be in you. How big do you think his joy is? Wow. We can't handle it. It's huge. And that your joy might be full. Boy, when you ponder on those words from Jesus, and yes, he was talking to 11 men right there after Judas beat it, and and he's saying that to us too as his people. You'll find on your handout that there's one one of those lines where you fill in the blank and you find the word omnipotent. That's a mistake. That's my mistake. In seminary, I always use those three words together, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. So I messed up. Stroke through that omnipotent and put the word omnipresent in there. And what does omnipresent mean? Well, an example like this. Let me give, let me give you an example of, of omnipresent. Sometimes when I'm in my workshop at home, I like to mess with wood and make things. And, and when I go out there and there's no one around and it's my time, I take out my phone and I go to Pandora. You all know Pandora, where you can just, you hit the button and I tune that thing in and I hit the button and I get amazingly wonderful bluegrass gospel. Every time I say that, people laugh. Bluegrass gospel, yes, I like it, and I play it when I'm alone because most people around me don't like it, but I get my bluegrass gospel. But do you realize I can be in my shop, plug that in, hit Pandora and go, beep, beep, and I get my music. I can be on top of Mount Parnell on the other side of St. Thomas, and I can hit that same button and go, beep, and I get the music. I can be in Indiana, and I can do the same thing. So it's everywhere. It's like that radio signal. And how is it that we can believe that and accept that and realize that that signal is all around it? We're completely immersed in it. And we can call it up. And it's hard for us to believe that God is any different. He is everywhere. When I think of that, it makes me want to go like, like this and say, is there any spot where he is not? There is no spot where he is not. We don't have to search and seek him out. He's here. We don't have to invite him to show up. 
Although I know sometimes when we, when we pray in church, we do invite God to be here with us, and that's not wrong. I'm not saying that's bad, but what we're really saying is, Lord, help me to get the right button and tune into the God thing and hear you what you're saying. God is present in all places at all times. A guy asked me one time, and boy, I didn't like it at first, but boy, it's a, it's, it's a good question to ask. He said, how many burning bushes do you think you've walked past and not notice? The Old Testament scholars will know what I'm talking about. When Moses walked by the burning bush and it came to flame and he saw it. I wonder how many I've walked past. I'm sure there is a list. I'm sure. Let's look at some of these words now. Let's take the first one. Let's, let's take Abide. It's an action verb. It's something we do. Even though it sounds passive, it's, it's still an action verb. It's not just a feeling. It's not just continuing to believe in Jesus, which we do. We have to do. We need to do as his followers. But there's, there's some action to it. Like, like Brother Lawrence said, and this isn't Pastor Lawrence. This is Brother Lawrence, the author of Practicing the Presence of God, a book. Uh, we need to develop a habit of close communion with him. And that's not just the wine and the bread time when we all come together, but communion with him. I look at the difference today of being deep and grounded versus what the world is trying to push to me as fast and flashy. I do a lot of comparing things and I know I've been most guilty of the fast and flashy things in the past rather than my deep and grounded. When, when we seek to abide in him and we ask him to indwell us, there, there's, there's just a hunger that develops. The psalmist in 63.1 says, I seek you, Lord. I thirst for you. I faint for you like a thirsting man in a dry desert. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul tells the folks at the church at Ephesus, I pray that Christ will make his home in your hearts. I know I'm very guilty of having my prayer life at times become rushed and rather highly programmed. We're usually asking God when we pray, and, and you don't need to raise your hands on this, but probably a couple of you might be guilty of this. I know I am. I ask God if he would align with my purposes and my priorities when what I should be doing is aligning my life with his purposes and his priorities. My wife, Jean, and I, last year, I don't know when it was, a bunch of months ago, we decided to do a fast. We have a friend who wrote a book on prayer and fasting, and we read the book, and we said, let's do that. Let's do a three-day fast. I had never done a full three-day fast before. I've done one-day fast. Uh, but we did this three-day fast, and in the book, the gentleman says, you will hear from God if you seriously fast. It might be the last 10 minutes of your fasting time. Uh, it may be the first day. I don't know. But he said, you will hear from God. And, and you know, I did. I really did. I was at my cabin and it was quiet. I, I didn't hear an audible voice from God say, death, you know. I didn't hear that. I didn't see handwriting in the sky. I didn't see anything like that. But I just had a calm word from God as I sat there. And, and I'm going to tell you what he said to me. 
Uh, and, and I'm going to paraphrase. God would probably phrase it different, but he said, Dennis, I'm sick and tired of your lists when you come to me. I'm tired of your lists. So much of the time when I go to God, I'll say, okay, God, I have these five things, and I've journaled about them, and they're all good. I'm not sure which to do, which not to do. Lord, I need you to like make one glow on the page or something like that. And yeah, we do need to pray specifically. We need to bring our prayer concerns and have our prayer times and pray specifically for things and name them. I get that. I do. I believe it. It's right. It's real. But he also wants us to just come, and I'll say it this way, just sit down and shut up. That's kind of what I heard from God. There are times when I want you to just hush and just listen to me. When we don't do that, it's very easy for us to become, I like this phrase, spiritually hard of hearing. Or another word, another phrase I like to use is, we're functioning as a Christian like we have a low-grade spiritual fever. So we're not up to par if I would say it that way. While abide is an active verb, as I said, it's not just activity or discipline, but it's the very heart of our relationship with Jesus. My wife is Jean. She's Jean Kuntz. She used to be Jean Myers. And there was a period of time in high school, man, I would crawl through broken glass just to look at her. I mean... I was impressed with this young lady, and I was going to college. I would come home and go to soccer games where her school played just so I could see her in the bleachers. And I made a mistake one time of bringing my roommate home with me, and, and he ran right over to Gene, and he said, would you please go out with him? He's driving me nuts. <laughs> and she did. She went out with me. And can you imagine how I fell really, really seriously in love with Jean. And I knew she was the one. Can you picture the setting where I come to her? and I'm not going to get down on my knee. I'll have a hard time getting back up, but not really. I said to her, dear, you're number one. I love you. And I'm asking you to marry me and spend the rest of your life with me. And dear, if you'll do that, I will absolutely commit to at least five to ten minutes every morning with you and a whole hour on Sunday. (laughs) I think sometimes that's what we do with our Lord, his word, time with him. Didn't quite happen that way, you know. I didn't, not that wasn't that dumb, but isn't that an interesting analogy? Did you ever think about that some? That's, that's what we do to God. We give him our discipline five or ten minutes. This guy that wrote the book, Brother Lawrence, he spent his whole life trying to be aware of the presence of God at all times. Interesting book. I recommend it highly. In Luke 10, 38 to 43, we have the story of Mary and Martha. And Jesus says, Martha was distracted by much serving. And Mary, who was at his feet, says, Mary, and Jesus said, Mary has chosen the better. The better is abiding in Jesus. Not to mean we shouldn't do the work and fix the food and do all the, it's got to be done. But we can't let it take over our abiding time. 
If Satan can't keep you from praying, he will keep you from praying effectively. I've heard that a lot. And I want to add that and change that a little bit and say, if Satan can't keep you from abiding, he'll keep trying to, to keep you from abiding effectively. I love that phrase. I'm going to use that some more. Effective abiding. Effective abiding. We are instructed to abide in him. Two more A words to cover. The next one is apart. Apart means separated. Space between you. A number of years ago, I was traveling a good bit around the United States and a few times outside the United States. And I had to go to Tokyo, Japan. And I had hired someone to be my interpreter and guide, but they didn't start till the next day. So I arrived in Tokyo. If you've been in Tokyo, you know it's one crazy busy city. And I got to the airport. I got my bag and I'm standing and I realizing they don't print English on the bottom of the signs underneath all that Japanese that's there. And I don't have a clue how to get where I want to go. So I checked out the train system. The subway system is three levels deep. And when a train comes in, the doors fly open. Hundreds of people come out. Hundreds of people go in. And the train goes. (laughs) I'm just standing there like, wow, what do I do? So I thought, I need to get a ticket. The only way you get a ticket is from a vending machine. I didn't have any of the right money. I wouldn't have known how much it was anyway. And that was one time in my life I really felt separated. I thought I was a pretty savvy traveler until I tried to navigate. Thank heavens I found a cab driver that spoke English and got me to my American hotel, and I met my interpreter and guide the next day. But that's being separated. That's being alone. A good friend of mine likes to hunt and fish in Canada. He flies in, and one time he told me the story. He he took the boat out and went up the lake and parked the boat and climbed a couple of hills and was going to hunt. And it became dark, and he went back to his boat, and it wasn't there. Then he realized he wasn't at the right lake. He spent the whole night out there. And it was terrifying. And he said, I've never felt so alone and so separated and so in trouble. Apart is the polar opposite of abiding. Cut off, dry up, thrown out, and burned is what Jesus says in Scripture. And maybe we self-inflict our apart status sometimes by letting so much interfere, by buying Satan's lies of independence and self-sufficiency. Matthew 13 and Mark 4, there's a story of the four soils. You scholars in Bible and students know this story. There's, there's four soils. The first one was a hard path and the birds grabbed the seed. The second was, was rocky ground and the seeds couldn't get root. And, and uh, the third was all full of, full of thorns. That's hard to say. Full of thorns and, and it choked it out. But then the fourth was good soil. Good soil. I want to be good soil. I want to be the kind of ground that when God sends something my way, it'll grow and it'll flourish. I've actually thought of making T-shirts. We have a men's group on Monday nights, and I've actually thought, I'm a fourth soil man. Can you imagine the conversations? People look at you like, what's with that wacko, you know, fourth soil man? It'd be a great conversation starter. If I do not abide in Jesus, then I am apart from him. It's good if we ask ourselves a couple of questions. 
And this is my challenge. Dan, Dan gave you a challenge to read 15 minutes a day, and I have a challenge for you. Take a piece of paper blank and draw a line down the middle. And try to make a list of what contributes to your abiding. What do you do? What do you say? Where do you go? People, what, can, what is there in your life that contributes to you better abiding? And on the other side, what contributes to my being apart or not abiding? I think if you do that prayerfully and seriously, I think God's going to bring a lot of things to you. I think there'll be things on that list. I hope somebody in the next week or two comes up and says, hey, I did that list and wow, that was pretty, that was pretty good. Pray, ask you'll know, and can list these things. To abide more day by day is growth. It really is. And we all can, and we all should. The third word in my triple A, that's kind of good, three A sermon, um, is the word ask. Do we ask? For what? And how? This verse, the seventh verse in 15 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That word gets misinterpreted, that verse, and abused so much. I actually had the experience many, many years ago of a friend who drove me to a car lot that sold really expensive luxury cars, and he walked me to a car, and he said, now, lay your hands on the hood of this car and pray this verse of Scripture in John 15, 7, and what he quoted was, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But he left the first part off. There's a huge word. This is the fourth word, and it's not an A word. It's a small word with two letters, but it's a big word. It's if. The beginning of that verse says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, comma, ask. Whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I truly believe that if I'm compliant with that first part of Scripture, if he abides in me, if I abide in him, and I study and I work and I read that his word abides in me, I won't pray stupid prayers. I won't make foolish and selfish requests of him. I think that's how that verse is true. If he's abiding in me and he's got control of me, I'm not going to go lay hands on something I don't really need or deserve and claim it. You know, there's a, there's a name and claim theology that, that I don't believe is biblical, but often misinterpreted. Since my fast and have backed off of praying my list, I, I sense some better direction for myself. And I'm not trying to brag. I'm just really giving a testimony to the way I, I believe this work. Some of my asks have become less important. I journal, and I look back through my journals way back many months, even years where I'm asking God for something, and all of a sudden, it seems kind of dumb. I don't need that. Why am I asking for that? Why do I continue to that? And, and I'm, I've also found that some of my decisions are easier. I, I used to wrestle over decisions. I had to lay out the pros and lay out the cons and 
And then after I did all that, I was still confused and, you know, but some of my decisions have gotten easier and, and things seem to be more obvious. As we abide, he abides in us. And when that happens, his wisdom will work in us and through us for the purpose of producing fruit for his kingdom. His wisdom is in me and through me if my heart and soul and mind are right. Less bad decisions with those who abide. I truly believe that. It's 2023. It's a new year. Yeah, I'm a month late. It's not January, but, you know, there are resolutions, and I contrast that. I have written in my journal, resolutions versus draw near to God. Resolutions are good. I'm not against them. You know, they're standards, they're metrics we use to measure if we're going to lose the weight or gain this or, you know, pay down a bill, whatever it's going to be, measurable, fixed, statistical, and that's all good stuff. I'm not against it. But also, a commitment for a new year to draw near to God. Kind of hard to measure with metrics, paper, and spreadsheets and all that. But we know in our heart when we're drawing more near to Him. We'll see some fruit. He'll show it to us really clearly. Two other words I contrast. One is excellence, and the other is obedient. Excellence is good. Man, you wouldn't have this absolutely magnificent music that goes on up here in worship time and, and, and the technology. We wouldn't have that if we didn't strive for excellence. It's good. We set standards. Uh, but can we try too hard if it starts to override our obedience? He wants our obedience rather than our sacrifices. So obedience is God's preference. As we abide, we're more inclined to obey when he's in us. Communion with God is a 24-7 thing. And, you know, communion involves two. Communion means coming together of two. And, and God's doing his part, you know, everywhere, here, all around, immersed totally. He's doing his part. Am I doing mine? Am I doing mine enough? Are you? Three great words that have come out of this are phrases, I guess, I like. It seems to be in threes here. Continual communion, I like that. Effective abiding and practicing the presence of God. I used to sing some, and there was an old gospel tune we used to sing, and it, I forget all how the tune went. I wouldn't sing it for you anyway. I'm a little hoarse, but it talks about if suddenly you realize you're not as close as you once were, guess who moved? <laughs> It's the name of the song, Guess Who Moved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, Peter and John were speaking, and a lot happened from them speaking and preaching as they did. And, and uh, some men were talking about them. Some guys heard them speak, and they said, these are common men. And it says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. These weren't pastors, preachers, teachers, professors, doctors. These were just common men, fishermen, some of them. And these guys said, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. 
I wonder if anyone's ever said that about me. I wonder if anyone's ever said that about you. I believe they will. If we're abiding in Christ and his words abiding in us and we're giving him the time and the priority in life that we should, people will notice, just like these folks noticed that Peter and John had been with Jesus. People today will notice that we have been with Jesus. The final statement on your handout there is a, is, a, is a statement by Brother Lawrence in his book. He says, we are never not in the presence of God, but we forget to get present in his presence. We're never not in the presence of God, but we forget to get present in his presence. Brothers and sisters, don't be fooled by Satan's lies about independence and self-sufficiency. Jesus here in John 15 issues the call to abide, a persistent practice of abiding produces fruit, more fruit, much fruit. I leave you with that word, abide.